Good evening, sir. Yo, yo, this is episode 98 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your hosts, Brett and Happy Shilmore. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're hanging on there for a second. I was going to say it for you, but I was like, maybe you'll think about it. <laughs> happy, happy Shilmore. Happy you Shilmore. fucking know it. Uh, yeah, I like my new alter ego. It's perfect. I, I would. I wanted to do something with Shooter McGavin, and I just couldn't. I couldn't think of anything good for Shooter McGavin. I mean, that was like my favorite <laughs> character of just any movie, dude. And uh, yeah, but Happy Shilmore. I mean, that's as close as dude, you can that, get. That's fucking good, dude. I saw it and I was just dying. <laughs> like I immediately fucking commented and I texted you about it. I was like, that's fucking great. Oh man. Oh my god. But uh yeah, so yeah, I know we just recorded the other day. I'm going to try to get that one uploaded and drop for you guys. And uh but yeah, what an interesting couple days even just from the last time we talked. Uh Coinbase's IPOing, who would have who would have thought? I didn't see that coming this year. Well, it says that they might be able to pull it off this year, but we'll see. So let's talk about that. Um DeFi and this whole yield farming has kind of come out of nowhere over the last i don't know six weeks or so maybe even a little bit longer um and to be honest with you i have no clue what is going on with this DeFi yield farming stuff but definitely seems scammy to me so i feel like it's worth uh worth kicking around the topic and talking a little bit more about the lending space and we had a good discussion about bitcoin as collateral so i thought that was a, a good chance to kind of talk about what i think uh a real lending market looks like. I think I think that'll definitely happen at some point. And uh, I don't know what else. We'll figure something else out to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about. Oh, Tesla. there's so much Tesla to talk about, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the draconian nonsense going on in the U.S., but that, we can leave that for last. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, let's jump into this. Uh, let's jump into this Coinbase stuff. Anything interesting? Valued at eight billion. You yeah, I mean, what do you think? You think that's fair? I mean, I. I'm not a super fundamentals guy, but I don't know. I, I, on one hand, it's being valued at eight billion right now. Sounds it, it sounds right if you if they really kick things up a notch, stop with all the like really shit coining nonsense, and and try to become the best platform out there. Then yeah, maybe looking into the future that that might make sense. Eight billion right now, sure. Um, today, probably not. It seems over, overvalued, but I mean, I don't know if, if they really picked it up a notch and executed, I, I, I could see that. I could see that, but I just, it looks like the news just broke literally within the last couple of days that, uh, they might be trying to sneak out an IPO that, as early as this year, which, um, I was trying to think about how you might think about this <laughs> and I figured Everything seems so frothy. Like if you're gonna do it, now's the time. Everything just yeah, seems like dude, it's mooning. Like I, I, if you can somehow get it done, now is absolutely the time to IPO. Dude, you're Brian and, Armstrong. You're fucking, it's like it's time, man. It's time. I mean, dude, look at the Nas. This is the Nasdaq chart. It, I mean, we we've gone when you zoom out. We have gone as parabolic as parabolic is. I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we pull like a fucking you know, fall of 1998, and then the, the whenever it thinks to see on the world, here's your bearish engulfing bar on the NASDAQ. We dropped 14% in two months. Nope. Doom. Up 322% to the top. I mean, could you imagine us rallying 322% from the bottom here? I don't even want to know what that is. I'm just doing this just oh. for comparison purposes. Could anyone handle... Fuck. 
Nasdaq twenty eight thousand. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody could. But that's where, like, it feels like anything can happen. And when you're thinking about IPOing on a basically a shitcoin casino business, uh, I, I think I would probably try to IPO now too and make as much money as possible. I mean, you and I obviously talked about Tesla before, and we still want to outlast Tesla. Which honestly, seeing this kind of chart, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Tesla is this grand company and they can figure out how to get profitable and none of their accounting stuff's wrong and <laughs> you know like their terrible customer service his, you know if you can you can just look up the nightmares they've had before people like sell their car they expect the tesla to arrive that week doesn't come another few weeks doesn't come a few months come by they don't it never arrives and they're stuck renting a car for like three months like no insanity um but this chart i mean this screams exit scam to me that's what it screams um, I wonder if there's still BitConnect charts around because this is what it screams to me, dude. And obviously the Tesla <laughs> call situation, it's just gotten ridiculous. Like uh, the next week, the premiums on these calls are fucking insane. Let's see if I can find. Oh, it's, I scrolled the wrong way. They, um, let's see where they're at. 2100 here fucking is 890. And I saw 2500 earlier today at like two bucks. Literally... People are pay, willing to pay like fucking like two bucks a contract on a stock that betting that it will get into the money sometime next week, like up 80% or something stupid from it's we have like, it's absolutely insane. It's just, yeah, it, it, it seems very exorbitant. Like, um, it feels so frothy top ish, um, kind of out of nowhere to not out of nowhere, but it kind of just everything moved up so fast and watching everything take off like this has been kind of interesting to watch. And uh, you almost don't know what to, what to think about it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely insane. It's, it's mind boggling. And obviously I, we probably both know people who own, I own, I know some people in Tesla stock and it's, and I was just talking to the guy the other day and I'm like, it's getting a little frothy. I'm like, and I'm like, you know, it's a call, right? He's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I told him like, there's going to be some points soon. You're probably going to want to dump those shares. <laughs> like things just don't go up. You know, things don't drop. What is it? 70% and, you know, or 65% in like literally a month and a half, if even it was probably a month really. And then continue to rally 335% or 340% in the span of, I don't know, three months, if even like that's, and then we, when we talk about the amount of retail money that's just piling in now, too, it's absolutely insane. Fuck, dude. Yeah. We're up, yeah, Tesla's up fucking 60% from fucking, like, June 29th. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also been, you can you can see the the interest in, in Robinhood traders, especially, and that, and that kind of gets back to the, um, all the stimulus that's been making its way out to people so they can gamble pretty much. I mean, that's, is, that's really gambling. what it There's is. There's no other way around it. It's gambling. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I'm thinking, when I'm thinking about, um, things frothy Coinbase IPO, do you think, do you think that the coin investing in Coinbase for someone who's thinking about investing in Bitcoin, um, they but they're not comfortable with it yet? Do you think Coinbase is something that they would take a take a look at? 
It's like if you like, want exposure, you to, want exposure the, to, to the Bitcoin, space, right? But right. you don't want to own Bitcoin or like obviously we always mention GBTC if you don't want to deal with the custody hassle and just much of ease so you can do it on your brokerage account because that's much you know every right. the majority of Americans or I wouldn't say everyone obviously but majority of you know middle class etc and above even lower class people have some form of brokerage account so you would have access to GBTC now in the case of Coinbase if you wanted again a stock that is related to Bitcoin that you know if say let's say Bitcoin went to fifty thousand. Yes, Coinbase stock would pump with that. There's no way around that because Coinbase obviously owns Bitcoin. You know, they own or they own Bitcoins. You know, if that sounds correct, because they don't own Bitcoin per se. But Bitcoins, well, I, yeah. sound, I sound like a fucking noob when I say Bitcoins. <laughs> Jesus it's, Christ! Well, it's like when some you know, idiot slides into your DM. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about Coinbase oh. is like they can get they can generate um, revenue like in Bitcoin, right? Taking yeah. transaction fees, other dude, stuff every, like dude, that. They're, like, they're making hundreds of thousands not million today off transactions yeah. it's all bitcoin yeah and so like they can they can certainly um, crush it but it, it's almost like some people um you know maybe someone who, who doesn't really hasn't taken the time to sit and think about the space and they're like well i just think this cryptocurrency space in general um is going to be big and they haven't done a ton of research on just like, Oh, I'm going to take a 1% position in Bitcoin and just hang on to it and see what happens. They, they could go with uh, the Coinbase IPO as like a, that's like a basket of cryptocurrencies, try to treat it the same way as, all right, this is getting me general exposure. Cause I'm not a hundred percent sure which cryptocurrency is going to, um, come out on top in the future, whatever they need to tell themselves to invest in, in Coinbase. But do you think the SEC would even go ahead and approve them for, for, for launch? Has Coinbase bought enough political capital and lobbyists to think, to make this a reality? I mean, I, I mean, it feels like they're already there. I was, I thought they would have already IPO'd by now that, now that I think about it uh, more, because I mean, when you think about the 2017 run, even though 2018 was a, you know, not as good of a year. You, I felt like 2019 would have almost been a better year, but con, I mean, considering the climate we're in now, I mean, it feel, you know, it, it feels frothier than ever. And I'm not saying that, you know, the NASDAQ won't go up another fucking, you know, whatever, 500 points next week or something stupid, you know, I don't know. But my point is, is that things don't just go up forever. You and I both know that at some point there are people who want out, and there aren't enough buyers. There are more sellers than buyers at some point. Yeah. Yeah, and, it seems like that's what <laughs> everybody's kind of waiting for. Or not. I mean, I don't know. It's been full steam ahead for like months. Yeah. But again, I, I feel like it's part of it, and I've seen people mention before, is people are just shorting every bump up. And I've known people who have been trying to short everything since mid-March. You know, like they just short every bump up and it's it's easy to get stuck in the mentality instead of just letting things get overheated. I'm just talking about this from a trading perspective. Like I, you know, I've known people who are just like, you know, like I knew at some point in fucking March, like that things would just bounce back and there'd be no, there'd be like no return to that bottom. And obviously we had that. We went up like the NASDAQ went up 7.8% a day, you know, ridiculous numbers in certain days. I mean, some of these days were ridiculous. 10%. I mean. But I, I think yeah. we're I think we're due soon. Might take another two or three weeks, but yeah, that scares me when you think about a potential um, you, <laughs> reverse, is, what's reversal. The, what, and, what's the uh, like, fundamental what, catalyst this time? You know, 
Yeah, even so, I'm more concerned about like what happens with Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, Selfishly, no, I, it's like I, so. No, that's definitely. You no, always I wonder agree how with you, that. Dude. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. Like you, everything fell, dude. Every fucking thing fell. It was like you know what was it? Let's look at the um, bond. Let's look at even the bonds. You know the interest rates and bonds. I don't know if it was if it was the interest rates, the prices that fell pulled them up though. US yeah, I think Raul Paul from from Real Vision has been uh, posting some some bond uh, charts recently. Yeah. Basically, yeah, like rates ago. are <laughs> rates are going to go lower. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, happening. The bond prices are going soon. Up. I'm trying to find the rate. I know I have the rates somewhere. Yeah, I forget. I think Raul posted oh, like a picture of the ten year, and he's like, "Yeah, I think we're yeah, going lower here. here." Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And we just plummeted you know and the and the bond market was calling it before we even you know the bond market was calling way before you know i mean it's been falling since um you know november 2018 but recently in the end of december early january i mean it was plummeting way before everything else plummeted so that i guess is the thing to watch you know, yeah I, it's definitely something to keep keep an eye on and as the <clears throat> As the U.S. starts heading towards negative rates, too, I wonder if that doesn't start to get more interesting for gold and, and Bitcoin. Just like if you're parking your money somewhere and earning basically no yield or even losing money, like you're paying to lose money. <laughs> uh, like, don't you just don't you want to hold something else or at least a portion of what you're if you have to leave it in bonds? Like there's regulatory reasons why certain funds or, or things need to have a x percentage exposure or minimum percentage to bonds like they don't have a choice in order to operate um but uh, even for the average person i don't know what percentage are you really going to leave in there you're at least going to put a tiny bit somewhere else and that's where i think that whole shift starts making sense um just because financial markets don't make sense anymore no nothing tesla's was like i saw like um for GM, VW, Mercedes, and like something else combined, market cap are smaller than Tesla. Tesla's larger than every bank in the US except for JP Morgan now in terms of market cap. Yeah, it's just unbelievable to think of that. And it's, it, yeah. And people like the, the person I was talking to the other day, and this is kind of again when I mean like top signs, and I'm not, the guy I was talking to is a very smart person. But again, I think markets are an interesting place. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I heard some people talking about seven thousand dollar price target, and I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm not saying that like that's not not possible because anything's possible at this point. I am not, you know, you and I both know anything is possible, and it, it really that isn't that much. It's only a three hundred and forty percent move. <laughs> I know that sounds insane, but we went up fifty. Tesla's went up, not we. Tesla's went up sixty percent in like the fucking last two weeks, you know. So. A little, maybe a little more than that, you know, maybe three. But like, all I know is that uh, that's those are not like when people talking about just insane price targets, you know. That Kathy Woods, whatever lady, you know, her price target's only like 120% away now or something like that, 150 maybe. Yeah. It's, 4, um, the 4,000 price target's looking pretty uh, good now. Yeah, you never know at this point. It's it, it reminds me so much of um, it's like when retail money got into crypto in 2017 and something just like really took off. Tesla's weird because 
like the cars exist, <laughs> whereas like the shitcoin stuff was like just a big nothing burger. Um, so it is weird yeah. to just think about the the differences, but the the pumping of, of both is extraordinary. Oh, dude! I mean, there's I pulled up the ripple chart. <laughs> like you remember fucking December? Where just it just marched. I do. It just fucking marched, dude. <laughs> like. Dude, it was forever in, in fucking accumulation consolidation from fucking June or like basically May onwards to December. Fucking same thing. Everyone was like, swell fucking conference with Ripple, gonna fucking do it. Nope, nothing happened. We dumped actually, of course. <laughs> and then the fucker just fucking pumped. Dude, my brother was like, my brother one day, he's like, I saw the picture, like he's like the chart or whatever. And he's like, he's like, oh fuck! And he like checked because it went, it went from like fucking like, um, I pulled the daily to even see what the fucking thing went from like that first day. It just happened. It went like up, fucking fifty percent in a day or something. Yeah, that was the beginning. I remember that day. <laughs> I was in the fucking finals in college. I was just like, or for that first fucking semester, I was like, fuck, dude. I was giving so little fucks that point, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like you could imagine, like how I was like focusing on. Uh, Finals or crypto, dude. <laughs> Fucking retarded, yeah. dude. That's... Yeah, do you want to worry about finals or trying to get rich <laughs> and make as much money as possible? Yeah, it's fucking hard to explain to people, but it's like, yeah, when you look at this chart, it's a little easier to understand. Fucking, uh... oh man, dude, that those fuckers. That was that was quite the experience. I mean, dude, like, sir, you know, unreal. And if we ever get something like that in crypto again, that's gonna be retarded. And if it happens again, that'll be fucking hilarious. Yeah, I, I I don't know anymore. On one hand, I I definitely think there's you know there will be some sort of wild pump again at some point. Don't know what pumps with Bitcoin. It could be it could be anything. But um, it I have I have no doubt when you just watch the way like the whole Robinhood thing is blown up on the equity side. That was it. It seems so equivalent to, to 2017. So it just so close. it reminds me so much. So oh, you know that's happening dude. again, and it's like a whole different group of retail yeah. that have like got. Even my my cousin texted me. He's like, "Oh, did I mention I was I'm getting into the stock game?" And I was like, "Oh fuck!" Well, like, how old is how old like, is, he? is he? Like younger, younger? No, or? he no, nah, he's he's in his thirties. He's oh, in his thirties. Fuck, dude. Fuck. But yeah, but like millennials it, are getting just sucked into the stock game, dude. Here, yeah. take our bags at all-time highs or get into options and lever up. Right. And and that's the – it hasn't been too much retail. Like that's like one person to me who, who said something and I'm like, all right, there's one person. So like I can't tell if this is just the start or if, if we're close to the end. But typically when you're getting this full retail sense, it, you're closer to the end than the beginning. Um, and, and maybe like – <laughs> Even like the Davy Day Trader stuff, like I know he's just joking around and it's but satire. Dude. But I mean, he, I know he's trading big money because he likes to gamble and he likes to have fun. Dude, that's, so like, dude, that, that's he's, fine. But. Why would you ever go back to regular gambling, dude? He, there's no reason, dude. Why would you? There's no other. There's no other better fucking game. That's just like, like why would you ever go back to fucking sports betting when you can play the fucking market? <laughs> yeah, it's and, interesting though because like, and you think the, about liquidity wise, like there's so much more room to play. You know what I mean? Right. Like that. No, that, that that's true. That's true. Yeah. Speaking of gambling, I, I now is probably a good time to kind of switch topics to the Dive. DeFi yield farming stuff. Um, 
just thinking from pure speculation and all this wackiness that's going on. And I don't know. I, I was reading through this. I, people have been DMing me a little bit about DeFi. Uh, I I think it's foolish to be trying to do decentralized finance on top of shaky ground that is Ethereum and whatever else these uh, shit coins are built on top of. Seems like it's really scammy. Kind of reminds me of BitConnect, <laughs> the way that people have gotten into it for the last couple of weeks. And very similar where you're earning yield by buying a certain shit coin and putting it somewhere, depositing it to a wallet. Um, I don't know the mechanics behind it. If there's some sort of actual lending going on in the background that is magically generating yield, but um, the yields are high enough to attract people to come in. And, and now you have, uh, there's a more, there's 300 million die locked in compound smart contract and there's only like 108 million die in actuality in, in existence so you can tell there's some leveraging and and borrowing going on here but um the the thought of yield farming whatever that even means um it it just feels scammy at its core and uh it's on one hand, um, it's like making me bullish that people are getting interested in that. So it's like, all right, is there a new round of people that are coming into the space and maybe they'll end up buying Bitcoin? Or um, it, or, or are we getting closer to the end of like another popping of a bubble? And this is just a little micro bubble in like where we are in the grand scheme of things. I don't know. What do you think? I was going to say yield farming uh, 100% sounds like um, scammy. I, I just like yield farming. Come on. I know. Let just just you know, say the term and think about it for a few seconds. Yield farming. This is just like fucking the BitConnects. I mean Yeah, it might work out for a while. And there you and I both know there are people who are fucking BitConnect worked for a while. <laughs> dude, there are people who are fucking killing it, dude. And they got like BitConnect tokens early on and they just mm. kept going up. And then they were Trevon making, James. Yeah, Trevon James, yeah where they're making like tens of thousands of dollars a day and it kept compounding and you're just like sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? You know, like people yeah. were fucking putting serious money in that shit. I mean, it was just, con it was paying out. It worked. I mean, it was a giant Ponzi, but it worked. Yeah. I was getting months. a lot of DMs about like, should I buy BitConnect? Should I invest in this? Should I? <laughs> and uh, I was like, you, it almost, I couldn't believe that some people do fall for that kind of thing. Um, which, on one hand, like, I guess that makes sense, right? There's not everybody. It, it would not be as obvious to everyone. So I, I got to, like, keep that in the back of my mind. But um, if it, it seems like the DeFi space is a more sophisticated version of that. Like, you're trying to, you're trying to entice, uh, I, I don't know, somebody, like, a little bit smarter who wouldn't fall for BitConnect, <laughs> I guess. I'm, like, trying to think of a good way to frame this, but... It's like a sophisticated scam. It's like, oh, I'm I'm smart. I went to college. I have a CS degree, or or I don't know anything. And you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in this because I think it's they've figured it out. They have a new protocol to make lending, you know, whatever decentralized. Um, it seems like it's like a different niche kind of scam. I was gonna say I also knew there were people, well, new people that were using it, even though they knew it was a scam. They knew it was gonna implode. But they just kind of worked out the numbers. If I did it for X amount of days, my payout would, you know, you know, outgrow the amount of money I lose or something like that. You know, even if they didn't give back the original investment. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, people I knew. Guess people somebody knew could be doing that right now too. 
people yeah. could be doing that right now too yeah that's a good point i didn't think of that no that um that definitely makes sense but it did get me thinking about the lending in general and i'm i'm starting to get more and more fascinated by lending cuz on one hand like i personally don't want to lend my bitcoin because i'm <laughs> i'm afraid to lose it but on the other hand uh i i feel like as demand demand for bitcoin increases and it like the need to actually have it to use it for something like um like i was listening to this thing about coin swap where you can you can it's like a mixer but it's peer-to-peer and you can we can swap coins and uh you know it provides a lot of anonymity and privacy standpoint but like you earn a fee for like putting your bitcoin out there to be swapped with somebody else so like you can you can earn a return on that so i think it's interesting that they're in the future they're there might be ways to earn there might be ways to earn bitcoin by owning bitcoin although you'd have to you'd be giving something up in order to to get yield so i think that's interesting but i also think that the lending market itself will be pretty cool as people start to borrow against their bitcoin a lot more use it as collateral like that although the interest rates are going to be super high so that's something to keep in mind but by lending it and earning it just we talked about this on the last episode. The the volatility risk is still really high. Like you need to be prepared to to double up whatever you were lending um, in the off chance that Bitcoin drops fifty percent in a day, which it has done many times in the past. Well, maybe not many times, fifty percent in one day, but it's definitely done it recently. And that was a wild day in <laughs> March of this year. So I pulled up that compound chart or whatever the comp. I think this is the, it just started too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's trading at, there's, there's obviously a very small, the circulating supply is 2.56 million. So there's a reason it's trading at 175 a token. 10 yeah, million I wanted, total supply. yeah. I think compound was at like 380 in the middle of June and now it's at like 175. So it's already taken yeah, a little no. bit of a dive. It doesn't look like much on this chart, but yeah, I know it, it's funny how these charts don't show, give it justice. Yeah, I know it dumped definitely a decent amount. Volumes picked up too. Yeah, what what do you think? Do you think this was like a little micro bu- bubble? This is kind of came and went already, and the and the the DeFi stuff's gonna just disappear in the short term, or do you think this was just the first blip of the next round of of madness to like, come? Like twenty eighteen was what year of the stablecoin? Twenty seventeen year of the ICO? What was twenty nineteen then? No, I think twenty nineteen more was more of um, stablecoin. The stable coin, although maybe this is like the year of DeFi or whatever this is supposed to yeah. supposed to be. I mean, I remember stable coins really started pushing on in you know, 2018, but I guess you're right, 2019 too, because I remember writing about quite a few stable coins in the spring of 2018 going into the summer. Yeah. Writing, so. Yeah, stable coins have picked up. I mean, there's never been more tether issued than there is like right now, and even USDC and other stuff. We, mean, can't, you... we can't argue that that's our Fed, not our Fed. <laughs> Yeah, like, that to, is true. Like, I just want to be a realist. Like, you, you know, I'll pull up Tether. There's Tether is the third largest crypto right now, nine point one eight billion trillion. Oh, billion, billion. Sorry. Jesus Christ, dude! <laughs> Why did I say trillion? I was like, what's that T over there? But yeah, you can see it spiking right in the last uh, last month or so. Huge numbers, dude. Yep. July of nine. Okay, think about this. So. Um, market cap 
oh my god, the market cap in the March 31, 2019, 2. 2 billion basically. We are yeah. now at nine billion. So I mean, there's dude, it's like the fucking Fed chart, just fucking just ramp it, pump those tokens. Man, I'm surprised. I mean, it's again nine billion to Bitcoin's whatever market cap, but it's still a lot because you think about that. The way you know, one liquidity in Bitcoin, it's not like all whatever hundred and ninety some billion are you know on the books ready to be sold right now. A lot of it's right. storage. Some are lost, and you know, so the the you know. There's, I think I sent you that thing. There's that, um, I don't know if it's an application or something you pay for, and it, it like pulls all the information from all the, you know, like 500 plus like basically exchanges from Bitcoin to aggregate it for you, whatever, and shows order mm-hmm. flow. So like, um, like Bitcoin, uh, and I'm just for the average person who's listening, and I get it, a lot of people didn't know about this. Like I remember my mom was like, you know, on the phone with some like stockbroker. And the woman said, like, buy it at market. And my mom didn't know it. And I, like, had to explain to her. And, like, something like that to you and me probably is very simple of market order. But to, like, average people have never been around, you know, this kind of space. So, like, um, basically, that people understand, buy it at market just means if you're buying 100 shares of XYZ, you're buying whatever 100. If there's 100 shares at 5 bucks, great. But if you're trying, you know, it might be 5 bucks, then 550, 6, et cetera. Uh, but my point is, is that, like, order flow in the books in Bitcoin are usually pretty thin in the sense that it only takes someone to dump on one exchange or someone to pump on one exchange, you know, someone, a whale per se, or someone deep pockets to, to really get the price to move or spike in one direction. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, the uh, Bitcoin has the best liquidity of anything in the crypto space, but it's still pretty small compared to anything else, right? It, someone, um, the same thing wouldn't happen in the gold markets or the bond markets or something else just because there's so much more um, activity going on there. It's much more liquid market. But I am I am bullish on the fact that <laughs> Tether number go up because I'm, I'm starting to reframe the whole way I think about Tether uh, and what a brilliant use case it is, even though it's just a, a you know, a, a token of a fiat shitcoin which is fine it's just it's super useful it's really useful as um as money's as the competition for money is just like really starting to heat up here and i'm actually really pumped um i know we talked about like tether gold a long time ago a couple months ago but i'm like starting to see the use case for it if you want to hold people already hold paper gold right now like what's the difference at this point um and maybe you can move it around differently and uh, i'm bullish to see tether go up because i i think the larger the supply of tether gets and that could be um you know a ton of deposits coming into either bifinex or or binance and and other things needing to to issue more tokens so they can have like a a stable coin that's following them for throughout where they're trading um i like that that's going to increase the liquidity in the space but i also hope that the buying pressure on a consistent basis for bitcoin picks up because it, it'll just at least help decrease some of the volatility on the downside like for people who are just like fuck it i'm out i just got to sell my bitcoin and take my money and run where you don't have a huge sell-off like across all exchanges then after that because there's always this constant buy pressure it's just we're we're just not there yet at all there's still not enough interest uh, for that to be viable yeah um, i mean I don't think it's that far away, you know, um, considering how much the space has grown in the last three years. You know, there's more and more eyeballs on it. You know, if you ask 
majority of people now have heard of Bitcoin. And then we, right. especially when you talk about anyone who's in any kind of finance or um, market related, they, they know about Bitcoin. It's, it's unavoidable, whether they hate it or love it or indifferent. It, um, you know, it's unavoidable at this point. And I think, again, as you and I have mentioned, it's here to stay. You know, coins right. will come and go. Things will die. Things will cease to exist. But, you know, Pandora's box has been opened. You know, and again, um, as you and I talked about, it was much more of Wild West, you know, three, four, five, obviously, as you go back as years. But even when you and I were in, it was a lot more of Wild West. And I, um, you were space and we're seeing the space mature. You know, that's reality. It's just like the internet. <laughs> Yeah, the space is definitely maturing. Uh, it is it is beautiful to kind of watch. And and you're right. I think the next cycle, as that kind of plays out, uh, you will have more liquidity, more people getting comfortable, more people not concerned that they're going to lose their job by like taking a position or talking about it more freely or stuff like that. And to be honest with you, we're still at the point where when you think about buy pressure, I wonder how many um, just adults in the United States are passively buying index funds on a bi-weekly basis in their Vanguard account and other stuff. And like you, that option isn't even available for something like Bitcoin. And even some of these people, like they don't even put that much. It's 2%, 3% of their salary in there. Or maybe they have like a, they get 5% from their employer or they, they put in 5%, they get a 5% match, you get 10%. So they're putting, there's 10% of someone's salary if, of buy pressure in equities and other assets uh that just we haven't even scratched the surface of that for bitcoin you have people doing it manually buying 25 bucks a week worth of bitcoin on swan or cash app or or whatever and it's it, the reality is it's not it's not that many people doing it's it yet on a consistent basis it's not even at the same scale and i hope that if the option becomes available where you could do that right through vanguard or right through whatever it's integrated um, for you to do that where the 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 buyer doesn't have to go and set something else up. Like you already have that set up <laughs> from your employer to begin with. So it's it's nice that you could just allocate it there because I think it's a big ask to get someone to download the Cash App or Swan or something else and set up a recurring purchase. That's like a little bit of a harder sell. But it's easier to you know click a checkbox and say, all right, put – X percentage into this Bitcoin ETF or whatever. Um, and once that buy pressure gets there, that will be great. It's just that might not even come close to happening this cycle. And I, I, I don't think it will personally. I still think that's um, a little ways away. Uh, people will be doing it manually before they'll be able to buy Bitcoin or uh, accumulate Bitcoin through their retirement account in Vanguard or something. That's still could be a ways away, which is bullish because. Um, price needs to go up so you want people to buy your bag is what you're saying right <laughs> yeah we all do that's that's the end goal greater fool yeah that's like that's the maturity right i mean it, do, <laughs> do, do you think like it was bitcoin a safer bet at like 150 bucks or 150,000 bucks you know it's like yeah. i guess from a risk standpoint you'd be more comfortable owning it at 150,000 you know yeah so you can watch it bleed back to a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, it's it's just funny, like you know, again, like how you know people's thinking is always opposite of what should what should be buy low, sell high, and vice versa. So I, you know, it's 
it's gonna be an interesting time, but I, I I already mentioned this to you. Federal Reserve balance sheet, though, now as of today, has passed below six uh, seven trillion. We're at six point nine two trillion from seven point one six five. So pretty interesting to see that they are shedding assets right now. Uh, and I'm wondering, even though the stock market, even though Bitcoin's still relatively, even gold, um, and I'm wondering what happens next here. You know, it's mm-hmm. is is them pulling the plug. You know, what if they just started pulling a hundred billion each week? You know, what what happens next? <laughs> yeah, no, it's almost like do you don't know if they're gonna contract the money supply for an extended period of time, or are they just taking a breather here while they reset and get ready to put the pedal back to the metal? Um, yeah, you know who knows. I mean, dude, like, could you imagine if they pulled us all the way back down to like four point five trillion or whatever? You know, the peak was there four point four. That is that where we find support? Was this just the quickest pump in history, and we? You know, we, 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 so technically we could be back by like maybe late September, early October at 4.5 trillion. Yeah. I'm, I I mean, that would blow my mind and I don't think this is the blow off top to the federal reserve balance sheet right here. I don't think any, uh, any central bank can ever go back the other direction with regards to their balance sheet. I I, I mean, until like they implode, right. That's, that would be like the last time it's, it's more, is this another 10, is this another 10 years worth of money printing 20 where the, the balance sheet's going to be at a, at a hundred trillion, um, in, in a decade, like you just, you don't know, or does it somehow, um, collapse in the, in the meantime, I just, I don't know at this point. It's just like look at this is like looking at a Bitcoin chart, like in 2013. Is it like did its little pump to 1300, and then when you zoom out, <laughs> they're going to 50 trillion over the next however many years, and this looks super small. The balance sheet only at seven yeah. trillion. No, you're, I'm not arguing. You're, you could be 100% right in that, and I'm probably wrong because I doubt any federal or any central bank will you know, start pulling off seriously, but it's just, it's really interesting. This is like the, the largest, I would, I don't know if sell offs correct term, but with, you know, reduction in the balance sheet ever in a short period of time, you know, uh, 107.168 trillion down to 6.92 trillion. So, I mean, we're getting close to 200 billion in like three weeks, four weeks, probably something like that. So, I mean, Yeah, I, I just wonder what that does to everything. You know, does that like? I mean, because it could take a few weeks. You know, but because th- that's that's the only way to keep it keep it going. And I, I just I, I feel like the path is you have to <laughs> smoothly let this whole thing collapse. I mean, I'm assuming that's what what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say uh, you, you like, cut out there really quickly, and I think you're saying something about a credit crunch or something like that. Credit something. I was just saying how like all central banks globally are need to like expand credit further, right? Yeah. Like they can't go back the other direction because it'll it'll implode on them. Which if I if I try to take a step back and think, you know, what would like Rothbard say with this? He'd say, yeah, just like let it let it collapse. It'll it'll be way quicker to just deal with this when it happens and let the whole thing go. But like. I guess that's also super scary, right? What what happens like week one of like banks failing? It it's just the the whole thing's a mess. So I guess you try to steer the ship and let one bubble pop it at a time and try to save it one currency at a time or start 
moving assets to something else. But the the inflation and the increase in asset prices is just going to be so detrimental to everybody else who can't accumulate assets because they just don't make enough money for for whatever reason. It's irrelevant. Um, it's that's the tricky part. Yeah. As much as I like would want to see Euro end, it looks could be bottomed out here briefly, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, you know, I've mentioned before in the past, like the Euro, I want the Euro. I don't think the Euro is going to make it to this debt or the Euro, the EU in itself, which is the Euro. I don't think it makes it to this decade. I really don't. I don't think the EU survives this decade. I think you've had, you know, last, you know, a few decades in Europe have been detrimental to these countries and they're going to, they're getting pretty politically divided. I feel like, you know what I mean? Between mm-hmm. the far, very far right nationalist movement in these countries, which obviously do not want to be part of the European Union, and then you have people who are farther left who want, you know, open borders, lots of welfare, free, you know, free stuff basically. So right. we could see that would be very interesting um, to see what happens in that scenario with Europe, you know, going super, you know, far right because uh, I think it doesn't get covered much, but it's happening. I, I, it's happening in the U.S. too. There's a growing far right movement, and it's not like you can see more people are getting pushed to the right because there's extreme left movement in the U.S. You know, I discussed this uh, with my own mom the other day. I'm like, it's like literally, it's just inevitable. We're all getting pushed to either edge. It doesn't matter. We're all getting pushed to the fucking edge, and it sucks. Yeah, it does. It does suck, and that's where literally can't do anything. Can't do anything. Well, I'm fucking stuck the... here, getting pushed. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously it's pretty obvious with Russia. I'm getting pushed far right. I mean, and I probably feel like you're in the same boat as me you know i don't think you're getting pushed into marxism you know (laughs) right yeah it's just it's hard because there is nothing you can do and the the division um makes it interesting and the division is all caused by the money itself like that is the that is the the root to the whole thing that's why i even started thinking about this kind of stuff but um you're right there is nothing you can do and the only thing i can think to do is like i can stack sats i can buy bitcoin if i want that's like the only thing that i can do where i'm like well the the cause of the problem is the money it's fiat so i'm gonna take as much fiat as i can and try to responsibly convert it into a, a better money because you have to try to defund this stuff instead of encourage it right it's like if <laughs> it's it's still really profitable to push one way or the other and it's very obvious um and no. we've yeah i can see you <laughs> trying to bring up the chart of the u.s dollar losing its purchasing power oh, but wow, that's, this is this is an interesting thing this is like an actual like you know 1900 like showing what you can buy i didn't mean to cut you off there money supply seven billion 13 billion by the 1910s, 1920s, 35, 46 billion by 1934, 55, 1940, 1950. So obviously World War II's and people forget Korean War, you know, that again, the forgotten war, Korean War. And then you think about all the, you know, the U.S., people forget too. The U.S. was supporting the recovery in Europe, you know, because um, Europe was fucking completely destroyed at the end of World War II. I mean, Germany, Germany is completely obliterated, you know, uh, and so the amount of money there, like we had the, um, you know, the airlifts going into Berlin on top of just a bunch of other things, you know, rebuilding Europe. So you're, you go to from 55 billion to 150 billion from the 1940s to the fifties, 
In the 60s, we go to 211 billion. Now, this shouldn't shock anyone. We go 211 to 401 billion in 1970s. Uh, and that's that's not even, you know, that's obvious at that point. I mean, we're getting ready to delink from goal, Johnson's Great Society programs, which is the introduction of welfare. You know, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is it uh, it'd be Medicare or Medicaid? I don't know which one came in then, but I think those came in then. But I think Social Security was before 1940s. But uh, it's pretty, it, the Vietnam War is obviously one of the biggest things there too. I mean, we fucking dropped more bombs in, you know, Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. And all of World War II. And granted, Vietnam was a you know ten year plus war because the U.S. is really there from 1945 till 75. Uh, so, but you know it's pretty incredible to think about you know. Um, and then from there, you think 1970 to 1980, you go from 401 billion in the 70s to 1560 billion in the 80s. By the 90s, you're at 3.277 trillion. This is money supply again. 2000s, 4.917 trillion. Ooh, this is gonna hurt. Twenty tens, uh, thirteen point or one point three two nine trillion. So it's fucking just constant growth. Yeah, it's just a all, the and and the cost of all of that is um is just all inflation and uh, any holder of the money has has lost purchasing power unless you are holding assets that have increased in price and it is. <laughs> It just really sucks that all of that, really for nothing, a lot of it was just f for nothing. Money spent on nothing, um, created out of nowhere, debased, taken from uh, the savers who had no clue what was even going on, what, <laughs> why the debasement happened in the first place, had no had no vote on it. It wasn't uh, they didn't get to vote on having their currency debased, um, which kind of sucks. And that's where like, what do you do? And well, I, I can vote with with my money and I can stack stats or something or you can buy gold like you can do whatever you think is best. <laughs> but it's where it's kind of a crapshoot. Like there is, there's no direction uh, to go. Oh, it's. I, I agree with you. And here's another interesting. 1940s. I don't know exactly what year, but one dollar buys 20 bottles of Coca-Cola. Wow. Yeah, absolutely insane. You know, you think about now, one do, one dollar would not get you a 12 hour, 12 ounce glass of Coca-Cola. You couldn't buy it anywhere. You'd be very lucky to find somewhere. You might be able to get a can. Yeah, maybe a can. I was gonna maybe. say maybe a can. But not a glass bottle. No fucking way. You pay yeah. like two bucks for that shit. In the sixties, one dollar buys two movie tickets. You and I talk about this. Good luck getting a movie ticket for fifteen bucks right now. Yeah, it's it's just when you really step back and think about the purchasing power, like it is just gone. And with some things you're like, Oh yeah, my burrito's ten bucks is like, oh, that's not too bad. But then you, you don't realize that it was two bucks at one point. It was four bucks at one point. And my fear is that the burrito at 20 bucks, like, do, well, I think it's cheap then. Well, I, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How many hours does somebody, the average person have to work to buy like one $20 burrito? Um, it's, I, it's probably, it's going to be way more than one, which sucks. And that really sucks. No, it's, you're, you're right about it. Absolutely insane nowadays. When you think about it, like, you know, if you work like a minimum wage job, you know, let's say you make ten dollars an hour, you literally have to work one hour to buy any kind of meal. Unless even if you go to Wendy's, you might get Wendy's four for four or something. But really, if you want to buy any food, if you talk about the grocery store, good fucking luck. You have to if you make let's say you work eight hours that day, eighty bucks, no way. 
and someone put it perfectly. I think it was uh, Michael Krieger, Liberty Bird's Krieg. Like, unless you're just killing it and crushing it these days, not or just very advantageous and ambitious and really getting after it, you know, the, it's very tough for the average person to make a living. You know. Yeah, for and sure. Do you think about this? 1970s. I don't even. I've never heard of three uh, Morton TV dinners, but one dollar buys three Morton TV dinners, and it looks like in this little dish here, this little tripart plate. Um, there's like two drumsticks of chicken, mashed potatoes, and some mixed vegetables. Yeah. You would never be able to get that today. That's three fucking dinners, and that's a lot of calories. I mean, you can see it on my screen. You know, yeah. never today for one buck. Never. Not even close, dude. You know, yeah. that's you know, that's probably three like fifteen hundred plus calorie meals right there. So or maybe a little less, maybe a little more. But my point is, you never could do that today. Yeah. No, the money's uh, the money's just becoming worth less. It's not that asset prices are going up. It's just the money's worth less. Um, so, you know, hold better money, I guess, is that's like how I would finish this, right? It's like if you can find a better money, um, maybe try to use that or think about how you could use that in the future. Uh, that's uh, better money is always helpful. And I, I look forward to kind of getting back to that because um, the dollar is pretty much donezo. Like, yeah. uh, but it can still, it can still drop more. And like, we're still not dead. It yeah. could, everything in the grocery store could go up 50%. And I'd be like, this really sucks, but you like keep going. It's like, Oh, all right, well, whatever. And then, you know, nothing, it doesn't collapse. It just sucks even more. Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, on top of that, the, everything's priced in dollars. So everyone needs dollars and you and I, I don't know if we mentioned this on our podcast, but I know you and I discussed this is that people in other countries, when you go to their countries, like especially third world countries more so, they want dollars. That's what they want. It's it's so powerful in their countries. You and I and you and I have both been to you know third world countries. You go there, fucking your dollar goes so fucking far. It's the fucking best thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that. Like <laughs> no yeah, there, better monies exist. Like even comparing fiat shit coins to each other like some are better than others <laughs> um, and, the, and the dollar's great <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah i mean there's a reason people can go like live in places like thailand make 50k a year and fucking just have so much money left over you know right. maybe spend 10 grand a year be netting 40k because nothing costs nothing over there you know i don't know what they're paying for rent or what they paid for their shack or their, their little beach hut you know but like when you know um it's it's pretty insane when you think about it. You know, different areas, different regions. So, yeah. No, yeah, I think that's probably a good way to wrap this one up. This is a fun episode. Um, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure to shoot us a DM. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And uh, you know, it feels like we're in the middle of summer. A lot of shit's going down. <laughs> so try to keep it together. Um, stay safe out there and yeah I don't know stack sats stack something stack something man stack Have something <laughs> yeah peace peace